Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We are continuing with our walk through the book of Isaiah, and today we are in the middle of Isaiah chapter 40. We are spending three days, and we're in the middle of that right now. So the first day was basically uh, the, the, the Lord is coming. Uh, the glory of the Lord is going to be revealed. Today we're going to spend uh, time considering the glory of the Lord, and then tomorrow we'll look at how to receive the glory of the Lord. So today we're in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 through 26. And Michael, if you'd read that for us, that would be wonderful. Hear the word of the Lord. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing. Mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below him seem like grasshoppers. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root, when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, in verse 9, Isaiah says, uh, the, the Lord is coming, or your God is coming. And uh, literally, it says, look, your God, or behold, your God. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the God uh, that Isaiah describes. And uh, verse 10, uh, Isaiah describes the Lord as coming with strength and, and with a reward. In verse 11, we see that the Lord is a, a gentle, loving shepherd, uh, more than a conquering king. He's a gentle, loving shepherd. Uh, we've often, uh, in some of our sermons, have made note of the fact that shepherds were generally a, a lowly profession. Uh, but the kings of the ancient Near East were often compared to shepherds. But if a shepherd is low... It's only because of the sheep and, and we're the sheep. So 
<laughs> I guess it's all in context. It all depends on what you're comparing it to. And then in verse 12, that uh, God is not only a shepherd over us, but is Lord over all creation and, and nature. You know, in our experience, I know that nature, we've done a lot to try and tame nature, tame the power of nature. And it can seem very tame when you're able to fly over in a jet airplane or drive past uh, uh, mighty mountains in you know, on super highways. But if you are to walk it, uh, to hike it or swim it or or surf it, it's much more imposing, the oceans and the mountains. and But God holds these oceans and mountains in hand. And then verse 13, uh, moving on from physical things to, to immaterial things, uh, things that we can't hold in our hands, says that the Spirit of God is a spirit of ultimate wisdom and, and needs no advice nor could receive any advice from us. We would have no advice to give. And then in verse 15, all the nations, even the empires and, and superpowers, are just a drop in the bucket. They're just dust on the scales. The things that we consider to be so powerful and so beyond us are nothing compared to God. Um, God is greater also than all our idols or all our attempts to craft God or create our own gods, even if we don't try to create gods of uh, wood and stone and gold and and, and silver, we often turn things like money or social media or a person into an idol. And in all of those things, anything that we can control, anything that we can make in our hands is less than us. So of course, it's far less than God as well. And then in verses 21 through 26, we see that God is greater than time itself, greater than the stars in the heavens and the hosts of angels. There is nothing and no one in all of creation that is equal to God. Um, a question naturally arises, you know, why do we, uh, why does Isaiah spend so much time turning our focus to the greatness of God here? And I've, I've heard some people kind of crassly wonder, you know, is God just, uh, super insecure and needs, uh, worship from us, needs constant adulation? Like, no, God doesn't need any of this from us. Worship is for our good. Worship is for our sake. There is a real, uh, there is a reality to the idea that where you spend your, your time uh, contemplating, admiring, uh, you become, you, you head in that direction, you uh, gravitate in that direction, which is why idolatry is so dangerous. When we put our, our purpose, find our purpose, when we put our heart into something that is below us, beneath us, it is degrading to us. It, it, it brings us down. Uh, on the other hand, if we turn our heart and eyes to something greater than us, then it lifts us up. We're contemplating something better than us. We're, we're inspired uh, and uh, motivated to move in a better direction. And of all the things that we could admire, the one that will never disappoint is, is God. And, and part of all of this, too, is having the security. Remember, this is being told to them in a time of captivity in Babylon, and they're being promised that that God is going to deliver them. There's a time now, this is a word of comfort, and it's not going to have much assurance if if it's being guaranteed by, by someone or something that doesn't have the power to bring it about. So knowing that God is the one who has power beyond all power, not for the sake of power, but for the sake of love and fulfillment of the covenant, then we can find comfort in this and know that God will come through, know that we will be rescued because of something that's far more powerful than us, or in this case, far more powerful than the empire that is holding them captive at the time. So in our context, I, I think about where do we find worship that actually affects us? Uh, and I, I know different people 
have uh, different ways in which they experience uh, experience God more powerfully in one way or another. Uh, there is a, uh, a book by I'm, I'm going to get the name wrong, but I, I should have looked this up beforehand. I hadn't even thought about it. But uh, basically, the the idea that there being spiritual pathways, and you can take like a little online quiz to kind of get an idea about like you know, is it do I find it in nature? Do I find it in contemplation? Do I find it in in worship or serving or uh, you know these seven different paths? And for me, I'd say that it didn't used to be the case, but but nature has become a much bigger thing for me. Uh, I used to hike simply for the challenge of it, of, you know, conquering the mountain. Now I like to experience the world from the vantage point of the mountain or even from the valley. And, and there's something about being in nature. Probably the, the thing that's most important to me is just disconnecting from everything else so that I can actually be present in a space. Uh, there's something about being in nature that not only disconnects me from all this electronics, but also helps me be present to new experience and to experiencing God. So that's been very powerful. I think musical worship can be a really powerful thing as well, uh, more when I'm participating than than just listening to it. Uh, and then for me, one avenue that's really uh, powerful is uh, theology and philosophy and science, things that allow me to consider God and consider this incredible world that God has created and to kind of expand my understanding of the world. I think the more we learn, the bigger the world becomes and we begin to realize how small we are in that place of it. But it is a, it is a precious smallness in the hands of God. And so we don't, it's, it's not something that diminishes us in the end, but it expands our, our value and our worth, knowing that we are the children of God in this great, wonderful, expansive world. Uh, Michael, I'm wondering how you uh, connect with God and how you behold our God and, and what are the things that, that have been valuable to you? Yeah, I think um, it certainly is the idea of worship of like, um, I think I've come to understand worship as being like what I give my attention to. And, and so in terms of like how I connect to God, I find a lot of uh, power or meaning in contemplation and just being still and being present. And I think it's particularly because I think in our culture, it's so easy to worship like speed or productivity or getting things done or kind of getting ahead. And I just, I see so much of that busyness or that hurriedness and that temptation in my own life that I like intentionally find it to be an act of worship to slow down where I can then experience um, the goodness of that or the greatness of like, wow, slowing down, being still like God is outside of time. He's beyond time. Right. But I feel so controlled by time. Right. Uh, and it, it is something in a way that man has created, right. That um, you can look like back at history and like essentially live in artificial time. It's this, it's this really interesting thing. And we kind of idolize it. Right. Um, when you talk to someone or, so oftentimes it's like, hey, can we get together? Oh, sorry, I'm really busy, right? Or, hey, can we do this? Oh, sorry, I don't got time for that. Or, hey, like, you want to do this? Oh, actually, I want to use my time. You know, it's like, I want to use my time differently. And I see this with my kids and and they're, they're another place where I just experience God's greatness is just in, in the ways that they see the world and are so open to wonder. And also just like, you know, when it talks about like fruits of the spirit and I, and I know as they get older, it's going to change, but my kids are five three and two. And so they just, they, they, uh, they show these, the fruits of like patience and gentleness and kindness uh, in, in their most, like, I guess, like um, ripe ways, like where um, I don't experience those all the time from them. But when I do, it's like, wow, that is really a taste of forgiveness or like, wow, that's a real taste of 
joy. Um, and, and so that's a, a, I don't worship my kids, but I worship the, the God who's given me my kids and every night saying thank you and, and having that space of gratitude. Um, yeah. And so I just, and even like this passage in particular, like I actually really loved reading it because I just, it's, it's a, I would almost call it like, you know, Isaiah, the prophet in this instance, it's a kind of almost like Isaiah, the poet and mm-hmm. poetry is another place where I've come to really, uh, love, um, to see how, um, it expands my, my, um, my wonder or my imagination or challenges me to, to think a little bit differently like within metaphor or to think about beauty. Um, and that poetry is hard. Like sometimes you got to wrestle with it and sometimes it, it doesn't come out. Um, the understanding doesn't come out like in the easiest reading, you have to like read it a few times and slow down. So then it connects back to my slowing down. So I can name all kinds of ways, but I think, um, this, this particular passage was really fun for me to read personally. And, uh, cause it's just, it's poetic. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think what you've shared uh, helps really illustrate the point that there are many different ways that people can experience a sense of awe and wonder that connects them back to God, the, the God who is the source of all awe and wonder. Uh, Michael, I'm wondering if you have any uh, final thoughts and if you'd be willing to close this in prayer that we would be filled with a greater sense of God's wonder. Yeah, yeah, I think my only final thought is like just how much God wants us to connect with his greatness because then it fills us with this sense of goodness and greatness too, like that we become what we worship. Right. And so if we're worshiping God, we become more and more like God. Uh, and, and according to scriptures, there's so much good in, in who God is. And so, um, that's my, maybe my encouragement and I'll, and I'll pray for that too. Mm-hmm. Lord, thank you for who you are and thank you that we get to encounter and experience who you are. God, I pray that we would turn our attention to you, that we would worship you in our lives and with our lives. I pray that we'd be people who look to be more and more like you and and to realize that to do that, all we have to do is look to you and and make time and space um, to be present to you so we can experience your greatness and then share that with others as we um, experience it ourselves. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, I hope that you uh, will take the opportunity today to connect with a sense of wonder and awe at all that God has done for us and all that God is doing and all that God has done, even in just giving us this life. Uh, And then come back tomorrow as we talk more about how we receive this goodness and greatness of God. Now go in peace.